Hi, and welcome to this week's show, the Chris Kirkwood Podcast. Our special guest is D.H. Peligro, the longtime drummer of the Dead Kennedys, the one-time drummer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He played on the seminal album Maiden's Milk. He has his own band, Peligro, that he is the lead singer and songwriter for. And now he has a book that just came out, so call him an author, a singer-songwriter, and a drummer extraordinaire. Let's join the conversation. Welcome to another episode of the Chris Kirkwood podcast, and this is Chris Kirkwood. Hello, so, everyone. Chris, Hello, Bill. Today we have drummer extraordinaire, longtime drummer of the Dead Kennedys. He's had his own band, Peligro, which I have seen play. He was in the Red Hot Chili Peppers, played on the Maiden's Milk, and now you can also call him an author, as he Go has had author. a book out mm-hmm. called... Dreadnought, King of Afropunk. Hi there, I'm D.H. Peligro, Dreadnought, King Peligro. of Afropunk. Yeah. Thank you very much for being on the show today, D.H. Oh, Appreciate thanks it. for having me. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks, thanks. All right, so what yeah. we got here is a little bit of a talk show mm. uh, hosted by me, Chris Kirkwood, host of the Chris Kirkwood Podcast, with my co-host, Bill Cody. Look at that. Oh. got the shirt. Oh, look at that. The, woo! <laughs> it's got a cacti with a microphone. Microphone in cacti. A, in a, in a red thing on it. And it's a, okay. you know, it's a kind of an interesting thing, you know, like I was telling you earlier, Bill, it was Bill's idea, and, uh, and we've done this for a little bit of, uh, wa- uh, you know, for a while now, and I'm kind of getting a kick out of it, because it's getting me back in touch with people I haven't seen in a long time, uh-huh. you know, and you and me have been around for a second. We've been around for a minute, man, know? on the planet, and we're still kicking. And still we're still kicking. doing stuff, and, you know, and I'm meeting people that I haven't seen before and whatnot, and, and it's a real pleasure to have you in here, and I really appreciate you coming down and doing the show well, with thank us. Thank you, Kurt. Thanks, man. Thanks for letting me be here. All right, so let's get into it. So, where'd you grow up, D.H.? I grew up in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Missouri. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in St. Louis, man. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, basic. It was uh, actually, I wrote a lot about that in my book because uh, when I went back and I started writing my book, it was just like, uh, I forgot about how segregated. You know, you get, to, you get to be in bands and tour around the world and stuff and you forget not necessarily where I came from, but to go back there and revisit and, and you know, did some interviews with some of my um, uh, uh, relatives who were from the South and did an exodus and came up through Chicago. And, and my mom was one of them. She came from Mississippi. She okay. went through Chicago mm-hmm. and, you know, to get a better job. And then she moved, eventually moved to St. Louis. And, um, and uh, you, you know, I just forget how segregated it was, how, like, how racist it was mm. and how like we were sort of set up to fail you know we were really set up to fail in this this whole system if you want to we laughingly refer to it as a system so it was kind of like um uh you know you get these sort of dead-end jobs and and that could really be your life and one of the big things was like oh if you get a job at the anheuser-busch factory then you'd be set you know because you get benefits and you get the whole thing and and you can work you know that was one of the big carrots that was kind of uh raising meanwhile they were it, it was um but they would hire maybe four percent black people or two percent something like that you know and uh you know me playing rock and roll uh early on it was like I was sort of ostracized like because my heart told me you know like I want to rock and I want to play rock music and like you know and in a sort of the unincorporated area what we were referred to as the ghetto is like um you know, everybody was into R&B, and, 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 uh, and I was too. 
I was too, but you know, I, I just needed something a little more aggressive, a little more, a little more uh, up to my speed. And so it was, it was tough. And um, playing that sort of music and trying to, you know, uh, blend in with the people there was 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 a really daily, daily struggle, really. And uh, then you know, we got bussed out to, to schools and I, with the white kids, and and it was like. Um, and it was kind of like, whoa, ah, and they listened to rock and roll, and I was in the rock and roll with them, and I could like smoke weed with them and hang out with them. But now I'm an Uncle Tom because I listen to this so-called white boy music, and like on the bus ride home, it was just like it was it was just like a constant struggle. So I really had to fight to just play the music that I want, that my heart told me to play, and to uh, to get back and forth, you know, across the, you know. To the schools, you know, there were pockets of people who sort of who 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 liked you know rock music, and and actually my brother did turn me on to Frank Zappa. We were talking about that earlier too. My brother turned me on to Frank Zappa, and yes, and a few other bands because I was into like whatever was the most complicated stuff to play. And you know, we had a basement, so I would I would sit there and I would just you know sort of isolate and play drums like all day. And my mother was a bit of a rageaholic, but she was somehow tolerant to. Uh, my drumming for for so some years. You start young. You start playing young. I, I did start playing young. How yeah. old? How old are you? Can I, I ask? Um, you have to buy my book Dreadnought King of Afro Punk if you want to know that. Find out. Okay. So you you I mean I know you Dreadnought for, King of Afro. You got to be close enough to you, <laughs> shameless you, plug. <laughs> Dreadnought King of Afro Punk. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Everybody. Any other name will and be and where state. can people get that? Go ahead and put that in. There. Uh, yeah, you can put you can get it on Amazon.com. Amazon. Dreadnought. Um, uh, I think they have some copies at Book Soup here in Los Angeles, California, and uh, you can get it probably over at Stories over in Echo Park and um, uh, Skylight Books up around Vermont in Los Files. Okay, so you're playing drums, mm -hmm. and and you, I mean, it's just you know, just like a, I mean that's an interesting perspective. How how did you wind up? When did you when did you get up out here? When did you wind up out in the on, in Cali? Uh, when did I want it was late uh later early I don't know um around 79 or so something like that 79 I um yeah I uh I was uh I graduated high school I think a few years before and my friend friend of mine was um he was like hey why don't you come in uh come to San Francisco there's a scene out here right you know and I was like what I I, I, I don't have any money to get to San Francisco and I was working at some restaurant and some other dead-end jobs and uh he he suggested i come out there and just he said get on a greyhound bus borrow some money and come on out and so um <clears throat> and that's just what i did i just kind of packed stuffed all my clothes in my drums and uh and uh shuffled on out to san francisco now it was back in those days it was still kind of a it was a rock scene it was the end of the hippie era and right. um you know the, the the there was tons of like sort of hippies floating around San Francisco, and and it was be really it was really pretty easy to like hang out on Hippie Hill all day, you know, take some hallucinogens and like do nothing all day and all night and let the years float by. But um, I ended up playing or started to play in a in a band with a a guy called Pearl, and Pearl was, uh, and mind you, I never seen uh, gay people before. Pearl was like a drag queen, sort of a a really super flamboyant gay guy. Who um, um, he lived with Janis Joplin, so he had a sort of an act that he would do at, at these clubs and these nightclubs, doing the Janis Joplin shock 
kind of stick, right? <laughs> we're sitting with all these bracelets and the and the and the feather boas, and he had all our moves down, and and um and it was it was it was it was uh, it was uncanny. It was it was kind of crazy. So I was supposed to be in that band, but there was some other gay guys in the band. Uh, another gay guy, the guy who invited me out, his brother, was gay, and like. They just they just had cat fights all day long and nothing really got done except for they they fought and next thing you know I'm kind of like eh, working at McDonald's and uh, uh, living in a van and living on the streets and living in the alleys in San Francisco and I and um and uh and I meet up with these guys who were who was a friend of a friend who was in a punk rock band and uh it, you know so so I um called the, uh, a punk band called the SSI so I ended up joining their band. And got exposed to the whole punk scene, and it was just kind of like and the punk magical. scene back then in San Francisco was jumping, man. It was really, really it was something. Totally it was like, jumping. I love the fact that it was like performance art, like uh, new wave bands, no wave bands, punk bands, pop bands. Like everybody was still kind of pogoing. There wasn't like any rules at all, and like everybody was accepted. Totally. And and it was like you know you could take a dump in a bucket on stage, and like people would go yeah. <laughs> It was just crazy, man. It was crazy. Like, um, and and early on in those days, it was like um, people. You really didn't have to know how to play your instrument. You, it was trial by fire. It was like, sort of like on a job training. If you if you want, you know, like you could you could just know a couple. Of, you know, tuning was optional. Totally. You know, it was it was like you know nobody was you know there were pockets of people who knew how to play and knew how to form bands, but. It was, it was all of it was, all of it, you know, and it went yeah. right along with the art scene and like I said, the performance art scene. And it was, it was just, it was just, it was just a magical time. Really, it was. really. It was. I mean, I mean, it, I mean we, 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 I'm sorry, we played at the Deaf Club as well. And, and the cool thing about that too is like, this was a actual club for the deaf mm -hmm. and deaf people didn't know kind of what was going on, but they knew all the people with the colorful hair and the, and the clothing and they got off on the vibrations of the music and they just really appreciated us coming there every weekend or a couple of times, you know, throughout the week and, and playing at this club. And so like, and that was something that like an, an, uh, uh, a deaf, uh, a, a club for the deaf probably wouldn't get unless, you know, there was like punk rock. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and as far as like, as far as what wouldn't have been gotten, I wouldn't have wound up as a, as a, like a, professional you know musician whatever you know what i mean i wouldn't mm -hmm. have gotten to play music i i've done it since i was a kid now mm -hmm. if it had not been for that punk rock scene and the punk rock scene that existed at that time late 70s early 80s mm -hmm. you know that was so open you know right. was so like all-encompassing all you know because mm -hmm. that that went from like the the really arty stuff you know to the real abrasive stuff you know here's a story i'll share with you uh the first time that any of the of us, you know, my band, the Me Puppets, right? Any of us ever played out here in Los Angeles? It was me. I got asked to join a band that I believe you spent some time in mm -hmm. called the Feeders. The Feeders, right? Oh yeah, uh, you know, classic <laughs> Phoenix <laughs> punk rock band. Yeah. And Dan Clark, uh, Clear Bob, their bass player, <laughs> was living out here in Los Angeles. And Frank and and Johnny Precious, you know, John uh, Vivier, the drummer, were living out in Phoenix still. Is that Clear Bob? Was that? Chicken Butt Bob? Or no. That was Danny. That was, it was Dan, Dan Clark. Danny. Chicken Butt was another guy in the bass. Chicken player. Butt. Chicken Butt was Chicken Butt's the black dude. It was the black dude from JFA. Of, oh, from oh my That's bad. JFA. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Now nah, he's still around. Okay, is he? He's still around. He Is plays he? in a band out in Phoenix called uh, the uh, Father Figures. <laughs> oh, you know. Oh, 
yeah. okay, he's in that band. And uh, Michael Cornelius. That's yes, his name. That's yeah. his name, right? And Mike's right. still around. He's playing guitar in that band now. It's uh, called Father Figures. And, mm-hmm. and Mike's still around. And, uh, and uh, you know, and that, you know, that's another fucking story. I was working at a place, parking cars at the place called Beef Eaters in Phoenix, right? And my boss was this guy that my brother had gone to high school with. You know, I went to the same high school. And, the, and this dude had, was in my brother's class. And we were the valets there. Mm-hmm. And who should he hire but this other dude that was kind of in the Phoenix punk rock scene, Don uh, Pendleton. And Don, at one point, he was in some other bands. And then he asked me, you want to start a skate punk band? <laughs> and I was like, man, I didn't skate, right? And I was like, fuck, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't skate, you know? And so he started this band and, and uh, got Mike Cornelius, you know, Chicken Butt, uh-huh. to play bass. And that was JFA. That was JFA, okay. So, uh-huh. but before that even, or right around then anyways, like, uh, Feeders had some shows out here in L.A. and San Francisco, and they needed somebody to play bass. And I think they picked me because they knew that I had access to my mom's pickup, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Which you could put crap in and drive it around in, right? Yeah. So, and I wanted to do it. They asked me, you know, you want to do this? And I liked the feeders already. Uh, and I thought John was a great drummer, you know? I just thought Johnny was mm-hmm. a great drummer. And fucking, I thought Frank, you know, the songs were cool and shit. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So I, I joined that band. We came out here. We played at the Whiskey. And it was in October of 1980. Yeah. I was 19, right? Right. And you know who we opened for at the Whiskey was the fucking Dead Kennedys. Dead Kennedys. I remember right? that show. So Frank glued some crickets on his head for that told, show. He special. did that. You yeah. know, the crickets holding yeah. on. That night, he tried to get me to dress like an army man, right? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not dressing like an army man. That's a fucking, you know, that's like, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna wear whatever. We stayed with Jimmy Gersetti, right? Don Bowles, uh-huh. you know, from the Germs, you know, who's yeah, a, yeah. a Phoenix dude. He's an old Phoenix guy. And... I borrowed a shirt from Don that had a picture of like a, this black woman on it and it said mom, right? And that's the t-shirt that I wore that <laughs> night, right? <laughs> so the next night we play up at the fucking Mabuhai and it was my 20th birthday, right? Mm. So, it's, you know, it's just, it just goes all the way back to yeah, that, that yeah, kind wow, of stuff, wow, you know? Wow. So those Did, are the first shows. Was, was that one of the nights with butthole surfers or not? Nah, butthole nope. surfers went then. The first, no, no. My, my first contact with the buttholes was when they came through Phoenix, you know, because I'm from Phoenix. Me Puppet started in Phoenix. And those guys came through town, and they stayed with us. And uh, that was my first contact with them. And that was uh, like that was probably still eighty, but maybe eighty-one. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and I don't think those those feeder shows. I mean, I know the whiskey one was with the with the DKs, yeah. and I can't quite remember who who was on a, on with us that night up in uh, at the Mabuhai. But it wasn't the buttholes, you know, because the buttholes came through Phoenix. We all stayed together, and it was a fucking psychedelic evening, you know? Mm. They stayed at our house, right? And, yeah. And, and at one point, remember that wrestling ring? There was that wrestling ring out in yeah, Phoenix, you know? Yeah, at the Mad Gardens. Mad Gardens, right? Yeah. So the gigs, oh, so yeah. those dudes are playing there. I'm oh. tripping balls, right? To the degree that I'm like, man, I got to go fucking chill out. So I got in there, in, into those guys's, they had a, like a truck, and, mm. and they had Brown Dog with them, right? They had this dog with them. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the fucking truck with, the, with Brown Dog, just kind of chilling out, right? Real stoned. And then I noticed that dog's butthole's bleeding, right? And all of a sudden I start going, wait a minute, butthole surface? Why is that dog's asshole bleeding, right? And I start thinking, hey, this is getting kind of creepy here, right? Years later, I told Paul Harshing that my story. Mellow. <laughs> you know, years later, I told Paul Leary that story. I'm like, man, the dog's butt was bleeding. I'm thinking you guys are fucking getting up on that dog. And Paul's like, I don't fucking know, dog. <laughs> So, but that punk rock scene back then was fucking cool, you yeah. know? It was real, real inclusive in a weird way, you know? Yeah. All these yeah, different yeah. styles. Yeah, you know? you know? I mean, it was it was just something you wouldn't see, like, uh, you know, I mean, um, like, 
I don't, I don't know, just seen it for the first time, you know, and even like bands like Crimes, Mutants, the Dills, and Crazy. and like, you know, it was nothing for like Devo to pull up and play at the Mabuhay Gardens and and this big station wagon with with uh Georgia license plates pull up and um and, and a bunch of people, some girl gets out with a big beehive. Hi! Right. We're from the B fifty two. Totally. I'm just like, what? Wow, yeah. And yeah. then really and, and, like, and it was flipper. just like yeah, oh, you know, oh, just yeah, fucking just yeah. outrageous. The Avengers, mm-hmm, San Francisco mm-hmm. had some cool shit going yeah, on. You know? Yeah, and and to get up there as a kid, you know, and to, to get down into that R D C and I mean that was some fucking eye opening stuff for me yeah. and, and informative and really fucking. Dude, there's so many more bands that that maybe didn't make the light of day or that wound up on uh, the not so quiet on the Western Front uh, sound. Um, Compilation, right? You know, there, so you know, yeah, and it just sort of spread, you know, and it sort of spread across, uh, spread across the, the country. So yeah, you know, so yeah, and then then um, you know, I was playing with the SSI and end up uh, uh, joining Dead Kennedys, of course, right. and um, well, before that, I played with a bunch of different bands, you know, and I played with um, the Feeders as well, but I play also played in a band called. Uh, the Hellations was my band. Speed Boys. I played with the Slug Lords. Um, um, uh, uh, just a bunch of other like sort of no name bands and just kind of filling in, just just playing. It was no shortage of like people needing a drummer. And that's another thing too. Like we were talking about earlier, you, that you had the truck. It was like when I joined Dead Kennedys, I had a van. So right. you know, drummers not only have to get there early, but then you have to leave late and take all the take all your stuff. And I'd get stuck with all the gear and equipment, and you know, I lived with Klaus, and we lived up you know many many flights of stairs. So somebody had to like do all the grunt work, and like those guys would you know, they would go, and I'd get stuck with the gear. So you know. <laughs> I definitely had to pay my dues, but I like that. And so still like, pay my dues. Drumming wise, like, uh, let's talk music. I mean, who do you like as drummers? Who do you think, like, where, where are you coming from drum wise? Drummer, um, <clears throat> I don't know where I come from. I don't, you know, just just authentic, just being authentic. I, I is there any dudes? I, is there anybody like you? You know, well, you know, we were. I was talking about this the other day, um, to with a guy and. Uh, we were talking about like Billy Cobham. There you go, and, man. And um, Dennis Chambers, and I didn't really right. know that Dennis Chambers was influenced by Billy Cobham, like uh, like those guys. You know, I when I saw playing punk rock, I didn't necessarily have to dumb down. I had to speed up and get rid of a a, a lot of uh, stuff that you know, not really unlearn. It's just like you just have that stuff in your in your in your in your. Um, um, uh, um, arsenal. Arsenal. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Arsenal of stuff to use if you if you need it, but you, you really didn't need it. it. Was kind of about being uh, a little more fast and furious and keeping keeping um, the band up to speed. Right. And our records sort of got faster and faster, and it was and it, it kind of became just really easy to uh, to just you know to, to write those songs and do those songs and and without you know without any kind of complication. And because sure. coming out of the 70s, you know, like, I picked up the bass, I don't know, fucking 75 or something, you know, mm-hmm. and who's who's there? Jocko, right? Uh, yeah, Stan- yeah. Stanley Clark, you know? It's, yeah. And it's like, those guys, those dudes, know how, they know what the fuck they're doing. Mm. They're, they're Stanley and Jocko, right? So it's like, <clears throat> and then there's fucking Billy Cobham, there's like uh, Bill Bruford, you know? Yeah. 
That was another favorite drummer of mine. So then you get some of these dudes, then you get like people trying to do that, right? You know, and it's kind of like, well, you ain't him. You know what I mean? (laughs) So what we wound up with, what actually allowed me to actually get to the point that I could play in a band and play with people was we hooked up with this guy, Derek Bostrom, the guy that we started the band with. The man is me and my brother, Kurt, you know, and this guy, Derek, that we met. And he had taught himself to play open-handed, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. We played the hi-hat with the left hand, right? And his whole thing, he said, I, I am going to be, I mean, he was such a conceptualist, you know, that it was like, I'm going to be the worst drummer in the world, right? And it was his whole <laughs> shtick, right? And he had this fucking ratty little hi-hat. He had a beat-up old snare. He had a kick drum with a fucking cymbal screwed into the top of it, right? And that was it. And the dude was just like, his left hand was like, you know? And all it would be was like, okay, slow it down a little bit. Okay, that's how that song goes. It's speed it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. You know, because you got these guys that are like, and you're like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, couldn't quite pull that shit off. So, but I mean, there's so many. You know, um, there's so much to be said. But you know, like influences are good to get you to a place, right. and then then your individuality sort of kicks in, and you can be your own self and your authentic person. You know, like um, Flea would always be. You know, when I played with the Chili Peppers, and um, me and Flea and Anthony and all those guys were friends for years before I even joined that band. Now, right. now they were. You know, they would always be talking about funk and 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 James Brown and on the one brother and, George and, uh, and what George Clinton George Clinton George Clinton and uh, Flea was really into uh, Lewis Johnson. Ah, motherfucker! Yeah, 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 you know, and and so so like yeah, I mean, he developed that and he and he and he, and he, and he developed a style around that and yeah. kind of came up with his own kind of groove. And he, and good. that dude, I don't know, Flea was one of those guys. That guy freaked me out when we were kids. I met him a fucking long time ago too. I think the first time I saw him. He was playing with uh, fear, fear, I think, you yeah. know, yeah. and and I really liked fear. I thought fear was fucking great, right? And, and mm-hmm. then, and I liked Durf, you know, a lot. But then now there's this other guy playing with him, and I noticed he had a Jimmy tattoo. Right? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. And punk rock, mm-hmm. punk rock was kind of like I, I didn't want to, I didn't care about like I didn't need to let go of like the shit I'd been into, you know, mm-hmm. to yeah. get to punk rock. I didn't like to have to, you know deny that side of myself you know so to see somebody with the jimmy thing you know i mean jimmy's fucking you know it's, it's fucking jimmy right it's so jimmy, i'm like come on man that guy's got a jimmy tattoo mm-hmm. right and then and then i'm checking him out and it's like god what a good player and then the chili peppers happen and immediately it was like i mean if you're gonna go into lewis johnson territory that's some <laughs> fucking rarefied air you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah yeah and i'm a white boy <laughs> deep down and good you know what i mean you want to play some country western my brother i got you on the f- you know I, I got you all day long Motherfucker country Flea, and though, western you know <laughs> but god flea was like no negative it sounded like a fucking like a synthesizer you know? yeah you just know he was a very syncopated very just um, that, that piano sound i'm and like and i i he's a buddy right and oh. i've asked the guy I asked him, you know, like, like, because I like to play. There's that side of me, you know. I, I love to fucking. I like to break my things, you know. I'll throw shit. I'll get take my wiener out, you know what I mean? There's that <laughs> side of it. But I really fucking like to play too, you know. And I got these different things that I go to and stuff. But that funk thing is just like, you know, is it is it just you know? It's, it's, and I've asked him, how do you get that? You know, and he's like, just slap it, just slap just, it. And I'm like that's not no no no, dude. I'm talking fucking give, get specific here. And he's like, yeah, slap. <laughs> One of my favorite flea stories. One time I was hanging out with that guy. We had his pad, and uh, <laughs> he uh, he's got this gigantic tennis shoe, right? And it's a big fucking tennis shoe. Mm. And he's like, "It's Magic Johnson's tennis shoe that he that Magic wore in I don't know one of the 
88, like the, 88 with the cream and the like in the dream team. Totally, right? Yeah. And it's some special it's some special shoe, right? And Flea's like, you know, and it's a big ass fucking tennis shoe, and you realize yeah. dude's got big feet, right? <laughs> and then, then Flea takes it and he's like <laughs> taking these big <laughs> nose hits off the fucking shoe, right? <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, I basketball is fun, but I don't need to be sniffing, you know, Magic Johnson's fucking foot. They were stink. so into the Lakers. They were just so into Lakers and probably still, you know, but uh really big Laker fans and they were like one thing you know got what when I was in the band but I'm not that big of a basketball fan, you know, if it comes around to, like, you know, uh, the playoffs or something. And I'm like, ah, cool. You know, um, it was like, one thing you got to know about basketball. Lakers. Lakers. <laughs> <Just> Lakers. Lakers. <laughs> you know, is it that this wide-eyed look, as a matter of fact, just wide-eyed. Lakers. <laughs> well, hey, man, calm down. All right, calm down. <laughs> yeah. uh, those guys are sick. Yeah. And, and, you know, I I went with him one time with Lee. I was hanging out with him, and... and uh, he went to this, just see how, like, where, where do people come from musically, you know? And uh, we went to this guy's house. It was here in L.A., and it was a little old dude who made trumpets, you know? <laughs> and and he had made Flea a little uh, piccolo trumpet, oh, yeah. you know, like a little dinky trumpet, you know? And then we went there to pick it up, and then while we were there, the guy's, like, flipping through his old photo albums and showing me pictures of Flea when he's a little kid, you know, when he's a little... Mike, you know, wow, he was, wow, yeah, yeah, when yeah. he was like a little trumpet baby, you know, and, and mm. this kind of shit, you know, just to see like the the musical history of people and yeah. stuff like that, you know, oh, it's yeah, yeah. trippy shit. Those guys are sick, man. Yeah, you know, Flea's a sick fucking bass player. Yeah, <clears throat> still practices probably all the time too. Last time I saw him, he told me um uh some about he's studying like classical shit. You know, mm. it's like getting up on his, you know, some like. <laughs> classical thing on it and that kind of thing. I don't know. Some people really got it going on. That, yeah. that, that dude definitely did. So, well, I mean, you know, there's a thing about, you know, punk rock is great to get you to a place, but, you know, the, you know, this diligent. It, it kind of opened my mind to a lot of different musics, really. Really. I mean, it really did. As long as you stay open-minded and to, to like, new experiences and new stuff, you kind of kind of keep growing. And you'll always have, I feel like I'll always have that part of me that's sort of punk, aggressive, and sort of political, and and um and 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 uh and 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 open to new new things, you know. Yeah. And and you try new things. I mean, that's what kind of keeps us kind of. Oh, that's what grooving. that's what yeah. that's what got me into music. You know, like I I first got into playing, and I've told the story a fucking asshole of times on this talk show already. But I saw the movie Deliverance when I was like thirteen. You know, mm -hmm. and the banjo sequence just fucking flipped me out, and I got a banjo, uh, and it just opened me up to to music in general. You know what I mean? It opened up me up to a side of myself. And a side of humanity to, to just like what it was to be, you know, and the and that that whole fucking world, and it's still there, you know, and it's still yeah, chasing yeah. down that shit, wow. you know, still going to all these different places and playing that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, what was it like? What you know, what was? I mean, how were people? Were people accepting of you as a brother? You know what I mean? Or was it like, was uh, it a thing? What, you mean in the punk rock scene? Yeah, because yeah. I got spit yeah. on a lot, man. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, like, um, you know, San Francisco was cool. You know, like I said, everybody was kind of cool and accepting. But, you know, as, as we started the tour, you know, I, I started to see just different sides of the world. You know, I mean, we go down south and it was like, blah, 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 this and blah, 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 that. And like, who are you and why are you with, you know, what are you doing? You know, with, you know like, are you in the, you know, like that kind of stuff. And like down talking, straight down talking. We go to England. It's uh, the neo-Nazis are there, right. you know, and all that racist 
kind of hate stuff is going on. Germany, it was uh, the National Front, you know, Nazis, Australia was kind of the same thing. So there was always some some racial tension going on. And uh, and and uh, it, it was, you know, there was always a bunch of hoops to kind of jump through because, like, it wasn't something like I would talk to with the rest of the band, but, you know, like when Biafra was around, and if there were people in the crowd that were, like, sort of sig-hiling to California Uberalis, um, you know, Biafra was like, you know, we'd stop the show and, like, that's not what this song's about. And, you know, he'd give them a scolding. And if there was, like, um, skinheads and racist people out and just beating up people, you know, because there was a lot of that, Man. we'd stop the show and sort of get the audience to police them and throw them out. It's like, hey, are you going to let these assholes ruin the show for everybody else, or uh, or are you guys gonna just you know throw them you know throw them out and and, and the crowd was like yeah there'd, there'd be a few of them and the crowd would just kind of throw them out you know and it was that was kind of like anarchy working you know right. and then there was like you know there was tons of uh, that not only did we have our own turmoil with that stuff I mean like here in Los Angeles there was uh, you know Daryl Gates was uh, our police chief and so like. Punk rock, they thought it was just a threat. It was a big threat. And, yeah. like, there were riot squads would show Fucking up at shows that, and, like, that, cop cars would get burned. Pe- people forget that, you know, as, as we were talking about that. I was talking a little bit with Frank uh, Rick Agnew about it. <clears throat> when you see that movie straight out of Compton. Yeah. But mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that the, the cops used to surround the punk shows and just... Oh, they fucking ate the crap out of the kids for no reason. No reason. Just because they look different. Because we look different, yeah. And And they were like, uh, there was one time when we were playing at the cafe. You remember the cafe de Grand? Oh, yeah. So we're playing there. I'm standing outside for the gig, and motherfucking up rolls fucking rampart, right? (laughs) And the dude, I'm like, shit, you know, I'm outside. So I'm thinking, you know, something's happened inside that, you know, somehow they're here. They'll go filing it, right? And then a few minutes later, they come out and they're like, nah, nothing here. Let's go check over here. And, and, you know, it was like, what the fuck? You're out, you know, tooling for fucking trouble. Yeah. You know, and uh, and, and, that, and that was an odd thing. And that leads into, like, the question of, like, what's going on in the country today? I mean, there's some some pretty brutal stuff. And, I mean, this is, an, you know, an opportunity. We could talk about this stuff. You know, absolutely. Oh, yeah. This is my fucking talk show. We can talk about whatever we want to. And there's been a lot of really fucking vicious shit that's happened recently, you know? And... There's a movement that's happening, you know, and I, I, what do you think about all that? You know what I mean? I, I mean, there's think, been uh, some ghastly fucking shit that's happened, right? And and it's captured now because of the cell phone age, mm-hmm. on film, you yeah. know, yeah. where you see a motherfucker running away and getting shot in the back, yeah. dead, you know. Well, again, you know, like as a kid growing up in St. Louis, it was that has always happened. Right, it's always happened, always, always. Me, I knew as a kid, like you like. Don't talk back to the cops. Don't get smart with them. Don't like have an attitude. I've seen it so many times where 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 where, where they come into our neighborhoods basically, and 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 the, and the, you know people are just hanging out, and the cops give them some lip, and people smart off, and and they get their head cracked open, or they get shot at, or murdered, and definitely, if not that, just thrown in jail, or right. and get slapped with a prison sentence. And once you get in that system. You're kind of in the system, and then you kind of run around like a pack of angry ants trying to get out, and you get on paper. And so that has been going on forever. And the whole, like, you know, I'm from, my sister lives in Ferguson. Right. And so the whole Black Lives Matter thing, I, uh, I'm i kind of glad that that's coming to the light of day. And, like, people are getting to kind of see more firsthand that it's not just, uh, uh, it's just not, not, it's not just black people 
um, it's 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 the police and their mentality and 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 it's been going on and they haven't been doing anything about it right. you know and like none of these guys are trained they're trained to shoot first and like you know like these these people don't matter like kill them you know right. who, who cares you know and it who is cares? and and you know it's a lot of definitely a lot of folks of color but there's that one thing that just surfaced uh, the video just came out anyways it was about uh, it's in uh, 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 Pennsylvania it's it's this white uh, woman cop you know female cop shooting up it's a white dude that she shoots you know have, you know just the video just came out because she got absconded or not she got fucking uh, what's it called when you don't get in trouble she got oh um resolved uh, you know she got yeah. not guilty right they mm -hmm. actually tried her and one of the one of the things that I, I i fucking saw in seeing this was that she, it was one of four cases where they've actually brought the cops to bear you know or to to, to, to trial mm -hmm. of out of like 800 some odd cop shooting deaths uh -huh. this year, right? So yeah. four of them actually been trialed, gone to trial. She's the first one that that wound up getting tried, and she wound up getting off. And the guy that she shoot was a white dude, man. Right? He's like this, you know, 60 some odd year old guy. His fucking tags are out. She pulls him over. He gets out of his car and runs, right? And she tases the shit out of him. He falls down. And he's laying there being all tased and shit. And she keeps saying, show your hands and stuff. And he kind of does it in a way, you know. And then she finally shoots him a couple of times in the back, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he just, fuck. You, you know, fuck. and she's like, fuck, motherfucker. Right. Yeah, she, yeah. He kills right. his fucking ass, you know. You know, and, and, and not to mention, like, taser, you you, you got 10,000 volts running <laughs> through a guy. That's going to, your system is, yeah, you're going to freak out yeah, a little bit. Yeah. They, you know, they tase him and say, stop just, struggling. Stop, stop you know? struggling. <laughs> the guy's flopping the guy's around. Yeah. It's like, yeah. the police have to have some sensitive training for officers and like it's beyond me why cops why cops don't have to have more than high school education to be cops you know like why why is that i mean uh, you know you go to an academy yeah, yeah great, you can't but, you, you know, can't even work at enterprise rent a car without a college without degree. a college degree yeah. yeah but you can be a cop and and, and hold a gun and most of them are just kind of resentful tricks that and, and most of them not all cops but you know a lot of them a lot of them have and, and are and and they sort of get jaded by uh uh, by the system and they don't like, um, they don't, they don't, you know, they, they, they see a lot of wrongdoings and sort of turn a blind eye to a lot of And it's too. obviously a yeah. scary job in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. And the gun culture, I mean, the amount of guns that exist in the fucking country, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, you know, and you're up against that. So, you know, they shoot first and ask questions later and that's definitely changed. But then you look at another thing that exists in the country right now that I think is just fucking galling is the, uh, amount of people that are in jail. Right, um, you know, yeah, and and, yeah. and you get into the, the statistics about that, and I don't mean to belabor this, you know, you know, because you know you're African American, you know what I mean, but I mean it's still that's it's something that we can talk about because it does exist. The like the percentage of the country that's black, right, compared to the amount of compared to the percentage of people in jail that are of color, right, right? you know, and it's fucking disproportionate as a motherfucker, and it gets back to like the the uh, the sentencing, you know, the um, yeah, no, the, the, a lot of the min, the maximum minimum sentence right, yeah, from the yeah, 80s. The, but it's it's not just that. I mean, it, it's partly, it, it, as long as we're going to... I went to school at Washington University, mm -hmm. which is in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, if you're... When I was there, I had a friend who was uh, uh, good friends with one of the uh, Anheuser-Busch kids. Uh -huh. And he shot and killed his friend. And he spent zero days in jail. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't an accident, 
But I'm guessing if you lived in now Ferguson or, Ferguson Park, or like you shoot or, your or you shoot your best Louis friend, you're probably going to jail at yeah. least for a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. and and there is this disproportionate thing, and that's that's one of the things. It's it's not just the minimum sentencing is a problem. The mandatory sentencing. Yeah, but it's like, and DH and I both, you know, like, because we out here in L.A., if you get a if you get a drug charge out here and you're white, you're probably going to drug court. And if you're if you're a person of color, like Latino or African American, you're probably going to fire camp. Probably, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you get to fire camp. But yeah, this it's like what twenty six percent of uh, of 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 uh, the, the the people in America are, are black. You know, fifty five, and we make up fifty five percent of the penal co- p- right. population. You know. So there's a whole lot of disproportion going on there. And that has to do with, like, jobs, not being able to get jobs, not having proper education. Uh, uh, the way you're treated, I mean, I mean like, um, just growing up, there was, I mean, literally when I grew up in St. Louis, there were still, like, um, there was um, uh, a few places where we couldn't go. And, like, when I was a kid still, where they still had, like, segregated drink, lunch counters and drinking fountains. Right. Still. Like when I was a kid, wow. still, still, and it, it was still, you know, the, the the civil rights and the law had been passed, but people were very slow to change and didn't want to change. So it, it was it was a scary time. So when I say that, I like I had to like sort of walk the line just to play a certain type of music that I wanted to play. And me and and, and, and um, now granted, my 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 uncle was a blues musician down in the Delta, Mississippi. Um, he was from uh, uh, Lula, Mississippi. And um, he, you know, he was my biggest musical influence. So, like, I got that musical gene from him, sort of. Like, he was my first, the first one of the first people I saw play live music, and that was that was another magical time, and that kind of gave blues to rock and roll. So it kind of makes sense that I be in a rock and roll, and then you know, like he's helped start the, the whole rock and roll, and then and then uh, uh, you know, I was involved in the punk scene earlier on. So it was it was kind of, and he still had that mentality where you had to just kind of walk the line and, and um, just, you know, be polite because, you, you know, like uh, your life, uh, like uh, you can get murdered real easy and it wouldn't be a big, um, you know, nobody would care. And there were tons of, you know, this is the South we're talking about, so there were tons of lynchings, murders, KKK would burn a cross on your lawn, like that. It, I mean, it was just that dangerous. You know, like you, there was a certain... Uh, area of town where they'd stay in, and um, that was pretty much it until like unless you want unless they wanted you to play at a club, you can play, but you you know him, he couldn't go into the front of the hotel and, and you know all that. And you think about Little Richard and Jimi Hendrix and all oh, those yeah. other guys who went to that thing too, and now, it's still happening. Did it's did a, did it go through your head like yeah. you, the Dead Kennedys were one of the most aggressively political punk bands going, <laughs> right. and like you did the. The show on the the Washington, you know, mall. Right. The, uh, oh yeah. The uh, uh, I'm not, I think that was Rock Against Reagan. Yeah, uh, Rock yeah. Against Reagan. Yeah. And you and you played in that, yes. right? Yeah. And uh, did it ever cross your mind that like all of a sudden you weren't being like towing the line? Uh, <laughs> no, but I knew. Uh, um. I knew that I kind of had a, um, I don't, you know, I was so in the moment most of the time when I was doing those shows that it was just like, 
I wanted to just kind of kill at the show, but like afterwards and before, like Biafra would talk about political, and I would just work really hard to like brush up on my politics so I could kind of know what was going on because, you know, I didn't grow up being like some sort of political genius and I wasn't, you know, I knew there was Kennedy and Malcolm X and they were murdered and Maker Evers and a bunch of people were murdered and, you know, around 68. And, you know, you know, Vietnam was still kind of a secret. So, like, meeting Jello Biafra and, and these guys from, from San Francisco, because San Francisco was more of a, like, hey, we're, we're a proactive city here. San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland. We're, we're, we're kind of, if we see something wrong, we're going to fight about it. And, and to figure out all those um, political implications and what's going on, I, was, I, I had to sort of play catch up. It was, it was, it was tough for me, you know. To, to figure out what was going on, and sometimes what, you know, what was what what the hell was going on? What what was Watergate? What was that? Oh, you know, and then <laughs> then uh, you know, eventually I did, and I, and I, and I kind of keep my ear to the ground of what's going on these days. Well, and you know, one of the things I see now uh, is that some of the politicians, some of this is coming up. You know, some of it's coming up. Some of it's specifically like the. Uh, you know, the amount of people that are in jail, you know, the impropriety of like, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, in in sentencing and that kind of thing. I mean, the, you know, the politicians are starting to address it. Um, Obama actually went to a, a prison, you know. Did you see that recently? Yes, I did. Yeah. He actually went to a prison, you know, uh -huh. and he talks to these people. Mm -hmm. And these, guys, these, are, these are dudes that are in there for fucking nonviolent dope crimes, right? Oh, you know what I mean? And it's the mandatory sentencing that put them in there. And you got motherfuckers doing time, you know, more time than people that fucking murder people, you know, yeah. that rape, you know, and do How shit. How are going to get life on a drug charge? A, I, I don't dude, even, that you know, don't even make sense. That don't even it's add putrid up to shit, and it's right. wrong, yeah. you know, and, 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 and at least they're starting to, to nominally address it, you know. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, you got a fucking uh, 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 an African-American president, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Addressing it, you know, so I mean, and that's happened as well. I mean, what, what about that? I mean, yeah. what do you think about Obama? Do you, what do you think of that guy? I, I love him for that and get being um, hands on, going into prison and talking to people, talking to you know. I I don't know a president. He got ever, his at, He got himself that. elected. Yeah. You know what I mean? He got himself, yeah. Period. You know. You know? Period. And reelected. And reelected. Re yeah. And reelected real good too. Like you I, know? you know, there's not been a president to to go and and sort of address these issues and you know. And that's while going through a maelstrom of other shit that, that's hitting the fan, like, you know, and he getting accused and birth certificates and this and that, and people are always pointing fingers and getting shot. Everything's getting shot down in, in uh, Congress that he's trying to accomplish. But, uh, yeah, I um, I commend that man for that. Man. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and uh, you know, that's just one of those things, too, where you, if you, you come from, uh, you know, Chicago, which is another violent place. Oh, fucking another Fucking Ooh, you know, um, um, you kind of, you know, no matter how far up you get, you, you know, you, you, you remember where you came from and want to do something about that, you know, do something about like, you the, know, and the his situations, right? His his election. I mean, one of the things that was glaring about that guy getting elected, I mean, you know, he, I think he got elected on his ideas himself, you know, and and going beyond his race in a way you know yeah yeah you know it's just like man I'm fucking dude bright guy you know sounds good you know actually you know generate a lot of hope and that kind of stuff you know but then you see the reaction to it you know you see the reaction to it which is blatantly fucking racist it just fucking is you know you see like you know one of the things that that this is so creepy is like the the uh number of of like militias 
You know what I mean? These little mil- <laughs> these little motherfuckers out in the fucking woods in their little army suits. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know those those increased like by I don't know exponentially. You know with the with his election. You know, and it well, just it, I, it, there were there were a bunch of groups showing up saying like we are the they had some absurd name and they had like all this firepower and these guns and they were carrying them out and like you know in broad daylight walking around like like oh yeah they, they got a name for them yeah, yeah. I forget what they call but I mean if it would have been the Black Panthers kind of doing that trying to do that today they'd have been murdered right. murdered like shot down on cold blood right then and there so what is it about race what do you think it is I mean do you think do you have any feelings about it I mean what you know do you think people I mean we're different colored you know mm-hmm. what I mean and and like all color is is like a, it's like a thing that the eye does you yeah, know yeah, as much yeah, as anything you know a, we're fucking people skin. you know we're all people I mean all so people, how is it that the, that this manages to go on you know, do you have any any feelings about that? I mean, from, I, you know, from I, your I really, side? I, I seriously think there's something that's been passed down from generation to generation. A lot of kids, you know, there were kids up in a, a, so some family in Modesto where they had like these like sort of Hitler shirts and, and all that stuff. And these were little kids. They came into this world completely innocent. Raw. Right. Like, you know, that was taught to them. Right. They were taught to think that way. They were taught to act that way. They were taught to fear and or hate a certain people because of the color of their skin. That's just that's just the bottom line. They they were taught that you don't you don't come in being in this world being an innocent child and like having these preconceived uh, conceptions about like uh, race, creed, color, or you, even even a person's sex or sexual preference. You know you exactly. don't have that when you you know when you're when you're a kid you're you're a kid. That that stuff is kind of taught and passed on. I think and it's a lot of fear now. I, you know, I know that, like, if you get to know a person, if they're a bad person, then they're just a bad person. They just sell, you know? If you, I happen to know that tons of people are just great people, you know? And, uh, and, and they're just, they're just, they're just kind of like people don't like them because of what's been taught to them. And that whole, and, that, and this is kind of where uh, the buck is kind of starting to stop and a little bit of change is happening with the college campuses all around. Uh, people are following Mizzou's. Um, Mizzou had some protests about um, some of their um, their uh, I forget exactly what it was. There was their 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 they, their, they were the they were complaining about a bunch of incidents that happened and people mm-hmm. being called the N word on campus and uh-huh, uh-huh. and I, I've been to the Mizzou campus and they they were racist twenty five twenty five years, years ago. And, like, and they are they are I'm sure haven't changed much right. especially the fraternity kids and. Uh, yeah, just get away. With I, it. I was actually I was telling somebody this story, and I'll tell it real quick. I was I don't usually admit this. I was in a fraternity, and we went over to Mizzou to stay there, and you know, free place to stay. And we were at their thing, and they got us up in the middle of the night because they said, "Oh, you're from Washington, you must have pot." And we did. Um, <laughs> Fuck, but, I got pot. But, I ain't from but, Washington. But they, but they, they, they got they got us they got us up in there. So after a while, they started talking, and this one kid goes like. So, uh, like our, our, we were called Tau Tau. That was our Sigma Chi, but you have a chapter name, Tau Tau. And they're like, okay. you know, uh, we've been wondering about you, Tau Tau guys. Uh, like, we didn't think it was so weird that you uh, had some uh, black people in the fraternity. But what's with all the Jews? <laughs> and we went to a school that was like 65% Jewish. And we're like, well, who else is going to be in a fraternity? But believe me, we packed up pretty shortly after that and got the hell out. Because yeah, yeah. right. even the way they said, like, 
we understood the black people, but I, I didn't get the impression they did. And mm-hmm. we our our chapter was quite a bit different than theirs, and theirs was all very okay. So what the fuck is wrong with people? All right, <laughs> seriously, well, they're, they're like seriously. I mean, look at this shit. They're, they're, look, they're, look they're, what's going on in the world these days. A certain way. Look what happened in Paris the other day. You know, yeah. what on, the man. fuck, man? Yeah. You know, I, and I understand. You know, uh, I, you know the part. I, I, I mean, I'm no no fucking expert, definitely. You know, and obviously. We've meddled in their world to the degree that we have, you know what I mean? And, and hurt has been delivered on both sides, you know. But, I mean, I, you know, I, I have a real hard time having lived the life that I've lived, you know. The reason I got into punk rock, you know, the reason I got into the fucking arts, right, is because it was the realm of the mind, you know. It seemed like the most interesting part of, like, you know, what I am, right, is just the ability to, like, you know, to be open to like the experience of being, right? Yeah. And I didn't, admittedly, I didn't grow up, you know, I didn't grow up being taught, you know, I didn't grow up in a racist household, you know, and I didn't grow up with a religious background either. You know what I mean? I, and, and I grew up in a part of the country that's, I grew up in Phoenix, you know, that's kind of like just, it's just kind of like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Well, now, I mean, one of the weird things that I've experienced is seeing, you know, that my sweet little desert home turn into this. It, it's become like it's, it's fucking this redneck place, you know. It's, my God, yeah, you know? it's weird. It's weird. Like, it wasn't like that. Take our jobs. You know? Yeah, what? You know, and in Mex- <laughs> you know, the, the the Mexican population there has it's always been such a fucking sweet part of the place. You know, mm-hmm. M- motherfuckers have got great food. You know, their arts just through the fucking well, they, roof. And they were there first. You know. And it was yeah, place, you know? So yeah. forget about that small little part of the puzzle. You know, I just I, I'm 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 confounded by by it. You know, and I and I love you know I'm a student of history to the degree that I am. You know, rightly you know, and you just I don't know what the fuck are people fucked up? Are they just are we just doomed? Or you know, I'm, I mean, nasty little creatures. They hurt yeah. each other. They, no, you're no, hurting I each other. See, I, I think. I think that's the one thing you have to look at. <laughs> this, like, this podcast is no, taking no, a no, but people, downward turn. People immediately came back. People immediately were supportive after what happened last Friday. And I think, you know, I hate to say it, but these bad situations a lot of times are what it takes for things to get better. And I, I, I think what's going on at Missouri is long needed. I think what's going on, Way what happened in, in Ferguson yeah. is long needed. I yeah. mean, it's like... You know, a lot of people, you, like, live in Los Angeles or New York, and you, like, don't know that some of these things are going on. <laughs> and even in parts of St. Louis where it's not like that, you, you don't – it's easy to have a blind eye to it. So, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like, you know, people in Chicago that live on the north side, they don't want to pay attention to the south side because it makes their brains hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I, But I think ultimately people, people do get better after these things, and – that's my thing. Yeah, no, people. It, it, it does bring out the good in people, and you, and you you'll find like you know the people who are really there and really want to help, or uh, they just kind of come out of the woodwork and like really. We all know that that's just a left overture of the Bush era. Like we never should have been over in Iraq in the first place, and and you know and and uh, it it it's just kind of heartbreaking to see all that stuff and to think like. You know, you were talking about religion earlier, like, like how these people are, you know, slaughtering other people under some sort of religious flag uh, of Islam or whatever, and 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 and, uh, and and thinking that it's okay, 
you know. Um, no, I think that they're right doing it, you know. Yeah, they're, they're right doing know? it. Yeah. They're, they're going to go to Virgin and have like, I mean, go to Heaven, excuse me, and have, you know, thousand virgins waiting for them or something like that. Something, something ridiculous. And the same thing that, you know, I mean, and we did it first, you know, like they call us the Crusaders. I mean, the fucking, you know, it's, you know, can't only lay it on that religion. You know, the other religions have done it as well. I oh, think yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You yeah. see people deciding that there's a particular way to be, right? You know, it, it seems to me that they... they Again, they, they're probably taught that way to be. They're like taught they that way, they you know. They're, they're little kids kicking a rock around in a field. You know, you know. I, I'm reminded of like, uh, like when Einstein theorized relativity, right? Uh, you know, understanding what that meant in terms of how like scientific inventions generally get used to make better ways to kill other people. Mm -hmm. You know, he suddenly came upon relativity and <laughs> and uh, understood that, you know, if you can, you know, break the, an atom apart, you're going to fucking, you know, it's going to blow up really fucking big. And he... And I, I might be wrong about this, you know, historically, but apparently I, I think he like actually approached the leaders of, you know, the world, right? And said, you know, can we get to this now? Can, now that we have the ability to destroy ourselves completely and entirely, can we get beyond borders? Can we get beyond, you know, skin tone and fucking nationality? Can we just, just let all that down and can we all be a fucking world? I mean, I see that you have like a kind of a, and then a kind of a Rasta kind of hat going on there. Yeah. You know what Except I mean? The Ethiopian flag. You know the what I mean? Center of civilization. So we where just, every man came from. You know where where people are, we we all came from the same fucking place. We're you know, the same place, yeah. you know, yeah. and you know we're all just people in the world, and and uh, uh, you know in, in the midst of it all, <clears throat> as we struggle towards a more perfect union, you know, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of fucking pain and suffering that goes down. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I mean, you like us, we we we've gotten to travel the world, you know, a few times over, and. Uh, we get to see that it, there's there's ugliness and there's bitterness and and some parts of the uh, some parts of the world are just just uh, a lot more accepting, and I get to take those experiences, and and uh, let them manifest through me to be more of that. And it takes shows like this so we can enlighten people and let them kind of know what's man, going on. And I'll tell you, I'm a fucking soldier for the fucking sweet side of shit. You know yeah. what I mean? I love our shows, man. Me puppet shows are a fucking, you know, uh, you know, they never. It's it's been what it's been, but what they are, they're a nice little coming together of people that are just down to get down with like, just this this sweet little spot, you know. We make our little fucking noise, and and it's all chill, you know what I mean. Yeah, and, yeah. and and I am very much down with that, and it's it's why I got into the arts, you know, and why I continue to fucking be in it, and uh, you know support it. And what what Bill? And on that note. And then, <laughs> I have to get wrapping this up. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and, and on uh, that note, too, we still do Dead Kennedy shows. Uh, so, uh, just saying, are you friends with Jello still? Uh, not. I, mean, I wouldn't say that I'm not friends with him. I just don't really talk to him anymore. Man, I always yeah. love Jello. What about Frank? You see Frank discussion? Nah. You ain't seen Frank think, in a minute? Nah. I think. Uh, I love me some I'm punk not rock. I'm going to say that on the air, but. Uh, what? Something, what, what? Something. <laughs> we'll edit it out. Well, what? No, no, no. Let's, no. Let's, let's, uh, so, <laughs> so, so, right now, you got your book out. You've been got doing readings. Out. Yeah. Dead Kennedys are playing. I got my book out, Dreadnought King of Afro Punk. Uh, I'm doing readings around whenever. We just did um, um, the uh, Star, uh, Rainwater Gallery down in Huntington Beach. And uh, my band, Peligro. We just played at the Doll Hut uh, in uh, Santa Ana, and we're playing in Vegas on the 28th at the Dive Bar. And um, like I said, my book Dreadnought is, is out. Um, I'm also, working on a going to be working on a documentary about like 
sort of like the king of Afropunk and, my, and punk rock from my perspective with some of the guys from uh, Road Dogs TV. I'm going to be working on that. And I'm writing a script, which is loosely adapted off the book, Dreadnought. So, like, I got uh, kind of got my hands full. Uh, on stuff, right, one more stuff thing, dude. You and me got a jam, brother. We got it. Let's get. You see, that's one thing I like man, about me, Pepper. Zero guys, we're always in the jam, dude. Man, we get always down. In the I'll fuck it. I like it. I like it. I like it. up together, man. And by the way, you can contact me at DH Polygon on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, Periscope, DH Polygon on Periscope, and uh, uh, Peligro featuring DH on XXXXXO. Um, that's that's the band page. Just look it up and you can find me. DH awesome. I'm everywhere. Man, all the very best, you. DH. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you guys you for having me. You fucking look good. I love you, brother. Way to go, man. Yeah. Way to keep it up, man. Awesome. Through the years. Yes, sir. Today's show was recorded at Winslow Court Studios in Hollywood, California.